Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, and with me is my co-host, Brother Brian Beam. And Brother Brian, you know, we've started some of these podcasts off differently, and we've started talking about uh, just different things in general and some jokes. So I'll go ahead and have you give another joke. Um, I, I've kind of bowed out. I don't have the greatest jokes, but uh, I do like yours. They're clean. And uh, so uh, why don't you give a joke to start out or just some, some general information about that? You might know this. Who is the shortest person in the Bible? Yes, he didn't know it. No, who's the shortest person? Bill Dad, the shoe height. <laughs> the shoe height. Yes, that would be pretty short, brother. I'll be here all day. Yeah, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You can uh, <laughs> you can leave some comments and uh, let us know what you think about Brother Brian's jokes. But uh, I know we were talking before about just uh, jokes and humor and how comedy degenerates and just a different thing. So I do appreciate the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, clean jokes and uh, just your sense of humor, brother. It's a blessing. And again, we mentioned before, you should enjoy life, life more abundantly because you're saved, you're set free. And yeah, man. I like some uh, good humor. I like Brother Brian's humor. So praise the Lord for that, brother. Well, I'm looking forward to tack on another subject. And as we said, our, our intro says it all. We like to take common and controversial subjects and put them arrest. And so we're going to deal with the subject and its whole is not really controversial, but we're going to deal with an aspect that is controversial. And so we're going to talk about today is the judgment seat of Christ. And for most, and especially Bible-believing Christians, the judgment seat of Christ is something you should know about. It's, it's uh, very important. You know, we understand clearly that everyone's going to be judged. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So everyone has a divine appointment with death and everyone has a divine appointment with a judgment. And we know that according to the Bible, there's multiple judgments in the Bible. Um, but to keep this kind of simple in regards to judgments, Typically, there's two major ones, and again, I know there's more, but you know, you have the great white throne judgment, and that's going to be after the millennium, and there, um, all of lost mankind from all eternity is going to stand before God, and the books are going to be open. They're going to be judged, uh, but there's also judgment for Christians, and yep. that judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. I'll read one verse, and let Brother Brian just kind of give you kind of an overview about the judgment seat of Christ, maybe its purpose, and uh, you know how many times it's mentioned, and just kind of give you an overview of what the purpose is at the judgment seat of Christ and the fact that we are going to be judged. But uh, one of those references is Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? 
for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And obviously he's talking about your brother and judging your brother. This is Paul writing to Christians. And he says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So Christian, there is a judgment. You are going to be judged. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And again, Brother Brian, why don't you give an overview of that judgment? What, what kind of just uh, what you think the reason is and what's going to happen to that judgment and maybe just some other information for the listeners and viewers about the judgment seat of Christ. And then I'll tell you what we're going to get into the controversial subject in regards to this judgment. Okay, best passage is probably 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. kind of gives you the purpose of it, what will be judged, why, good and bad. Uh, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to what? His own labor. Yeah. You will be judged based on what you do for Jesus Christ. Mm. Salvation is a free gift. You do nothing. If you think you do nothing, you're probably not saved or you never got saved when you think, if you believe that when you got saved, you're not saved. Salvation is a free gift. It's Jesus did it all. You just believe, receive it by grace. Amen. Faith. Judgment seat of Christ is not that way. Right. You go to work for Jesus. If you don't, you don't receive rewards. And we'll get Amen. into that in a minute, but it's based on your labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. It shall be revealed by fire. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. There it is. So you, Christians get rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ based on their labor. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Amen. Uh, let's see, there's one more. Okay, that's that on that, but I don't know if you... I got some general over, yeah, overview on it. Yeah, just a couple things there that you mentioned that was clear in the in that in those verses there is that your, you know, your works are going to be judged. You can either receive a reward or you can suffer loss. But the individual is saved. There is no aspect about the judgment seat of Christ that determines heaven or hell. That judgment was taken care of on Calvary. God's wrath poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. That judgment on sin was taken care of. And if you'll receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then then you're saved. You, you don't have to worry about a judgment that determines heaven or hell. But the purpose, as you stated, Brother Brian, and as you read, of the judgment seat of Christ is to judge your works. What you did after salvation, and then the fact of what you did after salvation, you can receive a reward. And the Bible also says, though, you can suffer loss. Now, the judgment seat of Christ appears three times in the Bible. It appears in Romans 14.10, as I read, and it appears in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and one other time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So three times, Paul is very clear that we as Christians will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Anything like more specific, or not specific, excuse me, more of like an overview you want to add or anything on that? Yeah, now, that term judgment seat of Christ occurs three times. The idea, the teaching, the expounding on it and giving you more information is 30, 40, 50 verses in, yeah, in Paul's amen. epistles. But 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done 
in his body. There you go. The things done in your body. You say your body's not there. What's being judged? It's things that you did in your yeah. body while you had a body for Jesus Christ. Amen. Your body's the temple. What did you do with it? You're going to be rewarded. Everything's going to work out. Salvation's free. We all know that. You go to heaven forever, whether you yeah. go to work for Jesus or whether you do nothing for Jesus. But the fact that you mean I can get saved and just sit on my blessed assurance? Yes, you can, but no, you can't because you're going to yeah. be judged for it. Right. And we're going to see God will make account of it. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. But yeah, he's going to judge your body. He's going to judge your labor, what you did in the body. And there's all, we're not going to get into the crowns, the five crowns, or maybe there's four crowns. But the general gist of it is Colossians 3.24 is a great verse. Colossians 3.24 talks about the reward, mm. not a gift, a reward. That's right. You have to do something to get a reward. The reward of the inheritance. That's right. And in a nutshell, the judgment seat of Christ determines your crowns. Sometimes it's called rewards, and it's also called inheritance. And it has to do with the millennium, the yeah. thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. People get to reign. In Luke 19, Jesus Christ gives a great um, parable about, have thou reign over ten cities, thou hast been faithful in a few things, have thou rule over much. Okay, this thy pound hath gained five pounds, have thou rule over five cities. In the millennium, we're going to live forever. We're never going to sin. We're going to have a new body like Jesus. It's going to be great and awesome. But God has it worked out perfectly that the more work you do for Jesus, for the right motives, of course, that's how much authority you'll have in the millennium. You'll get to reign over different things in the millennium. Of course, it's still going to be great and wonderful, even if you don't get to reign or if you're a bum for Jesus, but you were still saved. Amen. Praise the Lord. But that's what the judgment seat is about, making everything come out even in the, in, in the end. The wash all comes out in the end. And there's positive aspect of it. There's a negative, which we'll get into. But that's kind of a general overview. Yeah, and I think that's important for Christians to grasp. And, you know, I've known a lot of Christians, and, and I think they mean this in sincerity, but they don't really grasp their words. They say, well, you know, I, I don't really care about the rewards. I'm yeah. just glad I'm saved, and nope. I don't want to do it for the wrong reason. Well, you should care about the rewards because those are the rewards that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to give you. He wants based, to give you. Yeah, he wants to give you. Yeah. He set up this system. Yes. He wants to give this to you. He wants to reward you for your faithfulness and service to him. And I do believe they will regret those wor words if they don't receive rewards because there's a shame associated with not receiving them. And there's a shame associated with suffering loss. And, and again, so I do believe it's very important. And one day you will desire to have those rewards, not so you can boast, so you can show how much you love the Lord Jesus Christ and what you did for him. And so he's going to, not only did he save us, God is so good to us. Not only did he save us, He's going to reward us for our service for him. Amen. We get to rule. We get to reign. As you mentioned, there's crowns. We can do a whole study on the judgment seat of Christ someday. There's silver and gold and precious stones. We can look at all that represents. And, you know, just, just a blessing to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, have the exceeding precious promises of God, and then get to rule and reign with him because you chose to serve him on this side of eternity. So it's a very, very important subject. And that is, that is the general overview in regards to the judgment seat of Christ. So Christian, you are going to be judged and God is going to reward you or you're going to suffer loss based on your labor, based on what you did in your body for your service to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think uh, um, now what we want to deal with mm. is the more controversial issue on this, or should I say maybe more specific in regards to the judgment seat of Christ. And it rises, the question is, 
are my sins going to be there? Am I, as a Christian, going to be judged because of my sins? And I'll be honest with you, I think we talked about this a little bit. There's probably a split in even amongst the Bible believers, and some will say yes, and some will say no. And some of it is probably semantics in understanding what one means by when they say yes or no. But I think the Bible is clear on this subject. And that's what we're going to deal with today. We're going to try to put this issue to rest. Will your sins, Christian, will your sins be somehow, some way at that judgment? I'm going to read one verse and kind of give you my overview answer. Then I'll let Brother Brian just share some verses with you and kind of give you his thoughts on it. But he read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done them. I'm sorry, had done. Whether it be good or bad. Hmm. Hmm. Bad. So it's not just your good. It's not just a rewards banquet. Hmm. It's not just a reception to receive a reward. Bema seat. Yeah. Like he pointed out in the other podcast, that, <laughs> that you get into the, the Greek and the Bema and how it's just all good. No, that's hmm. not how the Bible presents the judgment seat of Christ. It's called a judgment. So you're going to be judged and the things are probably whether good or bad. In the very next verse, verse 11 says, Knowing, Ooh, yeah. therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's in context of the judgment seat of Christ. So the Bible doesn't paint this picture that the judgment seat of Christ is, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ just can't wait to see you, give you a hug, and hang a gold you know, medal around your neck. And there <laughs> he's going to reward you and just thank you. No, it's a judgment. And that part of that judgment is the things you've done in your body, whether it be good or or bad. So I believe that the Bible does teach that the the bad that you do in your body, the sins that you do in your body, they will be part of this judgment. Now let me be clear, and I'm sure Brother Brian will expand on this a little bit. When I say that, I've already said that the judgment seat of Christ does not determine heaven or hell. It determines your reward. But I believe when you're what you've done bad in your body, your sins are run up. Those are things that are go you're going to suffer loss over. Hmm. You're, they're going to burn up, and you're not going to get rewarded for those things. Now, Brother Brian, maybe, again, just kind of give your general thoughts, and then I want you to take go into why people would object to what I just said. So first of all, give me your general answer and, and what you think about this. Will, will sins be there? And you can expound a little bit more in a minute. Give them your answer. And then let's deal with why people would object to this and maybe a passage they would use. Oh, the verse I forgot was Hebrews 6.10. So yeah, you're good. goes back to the judgment seat of Christ in general. Sure. This says God would be unrighteous if he didn't have a judgment seat of Christ for what you did. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. So he'd be unrighteous if he didn't have a judgment seat of yeah. Christ, according to him. But yes, I think... I got into this a few years ago at a church with a guy who was didn't believe in confessing sins and he didn't believe sin would be at the judgment seat of Christ. And I did some research and it seems kind of 50-50. And even people who I end up finding out do believe sin is at the judgment seat of Christ, they never clearly said it. And you have to really dig down and kind of find just a little hint that they don't believe in it. And I think the reason is because to most people it's not clear, but I, I think the Lord showed me some things from the Bible. Amen. And 
to, to me, it's super crystal clear. Your sins will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'll go over the objection why there's one objection why they won't be. And there's like 10 reasons they will be, but we'll, sure. we'll cover the objection why they won't be. Sure. But yeah. So why don't we start there before you get into the fact? He obviously stated similar to to my position that you know the sins will be at the judgment seat of Christ. And again, I know this may sound foreign to some uh, Bible believers even, but I would encourage you listen to the whole podcast, study these verses out, and I'll say this one more time: we are not stating that at the judgment seat of Christ your sins are going to come up before God, and therefore He's going to determine heaven or hell. No, that's been taken care of at the cross of Calvary. But this issue, I believe, does stem into other issues. Yes. And I think uh, the reason that some people err in this is because of the influence of hyper-dispensationalists. Again, if you typically, if you come to the conclusion that none of your sins are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, it also logically leads to a conclusion that you don't need to confess sins as a Christian. That's a consistent conclusion. Yeah, I it's think. a very consistent conclusion. And again, that's going to deal with uh, the verses that, or their thinking based off these verses that they use. But we know as Bible believers, there's a difference between your standing Amen. and your state. You know, we were, our standing is in Christ Jesus. So we got that standing because of the judgment that was on Calvary we got in yeah. Christ. But our state is our walk. It's it, it varies from day to day. And that's what we believe is going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Not your standing, not whether if you're in Christ or out of Christ. That was settled at Calvary. That was settled if you received Jesus Christ. But if you understand standing in state, you can also understand standing in state in regards to the judgment seat of Christ. You also can understand standing in state in regards to why you need to confess sins. So I'm going to read one verse. And if you want to add uh, any other verse, that's fine, Brother Brian, on one of their objections. And I, I, want, to, I want you to think about this and, and try to follow the logical conclusion and the fallacy I believe this leads to. Um, and, and it leads to many fallacies. But here's the premise, and I'll, I'll give the premise. And I know I'm not representing everyone, but this is one of the premises I hear on why people believe that you will not give account of your sins at the judgment seat of Christ. And they believe because your sin is not imputed unto you, but it was imputed unto Christ, and we have given Christ righteousness, sure. and he's forgiven us of our sins, and he remembers them no more, and therefore no sins um, are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And doctrinally, in our standing, that is true, yeah. right? We're in Amen. Christ. So when, when he looks down on us, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But that is not true in regards to our states. And Brother Brian's got a slew of verses that show contrary to that. If that statement is true, that means you could not sin as a Christian because God's already forgot all of your sins, past, yeah. present, and future. And again, this is the idea of hyper-dispensationalists because... They don't believe in confessing sins. Why would I confess a sin if God's already forgave them, if God's already confessed them? And this is why I think this is an important subject. And so Brother Brian's going to run through a whole slew of verses to show you even as a Christian you can still sin, and that's why we believe you need to confess them. But that is our that is our state. Now, the verse they would use, well, amongst many others, I'll just read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, the Bible says in verse 18, I'll start there, "...and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself." by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Obviously, the context there is speaking to Christians, and obviously we've been reconciled by Jesus Christ. But if you keep reading, verse 19 says, to wit, that God was in Christ. Now listen, reconciling the world unto himself, not 
imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So if you continue with this thought and you continue reading these verses, you'll see that Jesus Christ also reconciled the world unto himself. Mm. And if you don't understand that there's a condition attached to that, and that condition is obviously if you'll receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then then what he did is imputed unto you. But if you just take this idea that Jesus Christ died for all my sins, therefore I don't have to confess them, therefore he won't remember them, therefore they can't be at the judgment seat of Christ, then logically you could say the same thing about a lost person. Because it clearly says in verse 19 to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not just not just the elect, not just the saved, but the world, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Well, how do you reconcile that? Because obviously their sins are imputed to them until they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we, we believe that, yes, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. He bore in his body all of the sins. And that includes the sin of unbelief. He died for all of them because unbelief is a sin. But they are not accounted, that righteousness is not given to them until they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Conditional forgiveness, conditional conditional imputation. Right. Conditional forgiveness, conditional imputation. (laughs) So this idea is, and I want to back up to the judgment seat of Christ. So the, the argument is, well, my sins have are not imputed unto me because Christ took them all and I have the righteous Christ and he he's forgave all my sins and he doesn't remember them anymore. Well, you got to be careful with that type of thinking because that will lead a Christian down the hyper-dispensational path of, well, I don't need to confess sins and that's why First John is not for the Christian, mm-hmm. which again, we totally uh, we uh, object to. And the many verses Brother Brian's about to go over to show you that as a Christian that you can still commit sin. And if this idea is true, that all your sins have been forgiven, all your sins are not imputed to you, that all your sins that God doesn't remember anymore, then how can you sin? Obviously, the logical conclusion, the biblical conclusion, according to the Bible, is there's a difference between your standing and your state, between you being in Christ and your walk with Christ. So therefore, I believe the same principle applies to the judgment seat of Christ. We're not talking about your standing. That judgment's been taken care of at Calvary. Amen. Talking about your state. We're talking about what you did. That's why the Bible talks about the good and the bad at the judgment seat of Christ. That's why the Bible talks about the terror of the Lord. So with that said, why don't you expound and just run any references you want to kind of build upon this idea that we said that we do believe that your sins in regards to your your state will be at the judgment seat of Christ, and they affect your inheritance, your reward, and your millennial reign. Yeah, you pretty much covered it, but the main objection, really the only objection I've heard is, God doesn't see my sins, my sins are forgiven, which they are, my sins are gone, which they are, Right. so how can I show up the judgment seat of Christ in heaven and God's gonna bring up my sins? Well, if you're gonna be consistent, then you need to be a hyper and say then, because that's the same exact argument they use, and saying, God forgave me all my sins, past, present, future, right? Yes, correct. Well, then why would I ask him to forgive when I, I commit a sin? I lied or I, I, whatever. And I ask God to forgive me. Why would I ask God to forgive me of something he's already forgiven me of and he doesn't even know about? Which is a very good objection. Yeah, absolutely. If, the, if standing in state don't exist, our sins are taken away. First John 3, we're spiritually circumcised. Or Colossians 2, First John 3, 
In him is no sin, and he that is born of God cannot commit sin. I am sinless now. All my sins that I did were forgotten. Any sins I do in the future are gone. Well, then I don't need to confess sin. So if your argument is, my sins are all gone. Jesus died for my sins. He can't bring them up. Well, then you need to be consistent and be a hyper. Sure. But yeah, that thing is just standing in state. So I just want to mention this. What sin affects. This is in the Christian. Amen. Now, the hyper would say Christians sin, but God doesn't see it. So therefore, there's no effect and it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Okay. Quench not the spirit, First Thessalonians 5 says. How can you quench the spirit, if, which is a sin? Right. How can you quench the spirit if God doesn't see your sins? Amen. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the spirit of God. Right. How can you grieve the spirit if, if God doesn't see our sins? Yeah. If everything you've... If the everything spirit is do, God. If everything you do is already forgiven and he doesn't see it because the blood of Jesus Christ covers it, then how can you quench... How can you grieve the Spirit of God? Keep going. Amen. Um, he says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, when you sin against the brethren or against your temple, yeah. you sin against God. That's it. How can you sin against God if God doesn't see my sins? They're invisible. Yeah, that's a good one there. He's talking about you know your liberty and what you have and what you can do and not being a stumbling block. And if you're a stumbling block under your brethren, you know, they sin against their conscience. But the Bible says there that you have sinned against God. And you're right. So that's a Christian. A Christian can sin against God. You can sin against others, 1 Corinthians 8. You can sin against Christ, 1 Corinthians 8, the passage he was talking about. Mm -hmm. yes. and, but that's kind of with as far as confessing sins. And a good verse on this is 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. These are saved people he's writing to. Amen. Oh, I should have read verse 12 first. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Amen. So the people he's writing to, right. sins are forgiven, right? Amen, amen. Okay, First John 2, 1. My little children, same group. Yeah. The, so these people's sins are forgiven, and what does John tell them? That ye sin not. And if any man sin, yeah. so these are people whose sins are forgiven. And in First John chapter 3, their sins, they cannot sin. First right. John 5, 13, they have eternal life. Amen. So, so this is Pauline. This matches all of First John 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear, but we, we shall be like him. We shall see him. They get a new body. That's not tribulation, salvation. They get a new body. Okay, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Mm. That's the saved. How do you know that? The next clause, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He tells the little children, don't sin, and if you sin, you have an advocate. And of course, 1 John 1 is the famous verse about confessing sins. These people's sins are forgiven. They're gone. They're spiritually circumcised. Their sins aren't charged to them. And John says that they sin and they need to confess their sins and that Jesus Christ will forgive them of sins. Amen. So that... And I think, you know, just for a moment there, there's just so much great truth in First John. Of course, uh, again, the hyper is going to say, well, that's First John. Paul didn't write it, so dismiss it. But this is why we're not hyper dispensationalists and we reject that. But obviously, as Brother Brian said in First John chapter 3, verse 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. But yet, 1 John chapter 1 there says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And obviously hmm. the difference is one is talking about your soul. Has That's 1 John chapter 3. Again, verse 9, for whosoever, I'm sorry, whosoever is born of God does not sin 
for his seed remaineth in him. It's talking about what's in you. Again, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. He was, you're spiritually circumcised. So now your soul cannot sin. There's a portion of you that is sinlessly perfect today. Yes. But there's also a portion of you, your body, yes. that will always And that's sin. what you'll give account of things done in the body. That's the point. You're yes. not giving You're account. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> no, no, that's, I'm glad you You're not giving account for the soul. Exactly. And that's the point of the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not about your soul. Your soul is saved. The judgment seat of Christ is about the things done in your body. That not that is not First John three. That's First John one. And what is First John one? You have to confess your sins because that has to deal with fellowship and not sonship. So I just don't want to throw that in there. I think emphasize connecting to the judgment seat of Christ is what's done in your body. Yes. I believe that wording is so important. That's why God put that in you. Because it's not talking about the judgment of your soul. That has already been settled at, at Calvary. Now we're talking about what you did in your body. Now I heard somebody say, well, the new man, that's all that's standing there is the new man. And I said, you just give an account of the new man and what Jesus Christ did in you. I said, the new man is God. It's yeah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it says things done in the body. Right. Right. What's, what's the point of judging? What's the point of the judgment seat? And people are ashamed, and people get rewarded, and people suffer rewards and well, lose rewards. What's it, the point if yeah. it's Jesus? Well, Jesus wants all of us to get rewards and live sinless. Right. And again, if it's the new man, then everyone would be judged the same, wouldn't they? Right. And that's your whole point. You know, it's like or we no. would all have the greatest works on earth. Right. And, so, man, that's not consistent with anything else the Bible teaches. So, again, we're, what we're talking about is what you do in your body, and that's why there must you must confess sins, and that's why you're either going to receive a reward or you're going to suffer loss. Yeah, and I'll get into some specifics just yeah. after, after I quote this, but we're given a general overview of why sin can and will be at the judgment seat right. and the objections of why it's not. Okay, Pastor, are, as saved people, are we in the flesh? Yes. Like in, like in the flesh? Oh, this is, this is a good trick question. I can see yes. I the point say, of it is, it's the tr- I, I, I understand. I think, I think, yes, we are in the flesh. Yes. Yeah, we are. But we're not in the flesh, right? Correct. Okay, but Romans 8, Christ. 9. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul says, Romans 8, 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Right. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. So you're wrong. We're not in the flesh. Romans 8, 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, th- right. so we are in the flesh. Correct. They're both true. Standing state. Right. First John 1, we're, we're, we need to confess sin. First John 2, we're sinless. First John 3, we can't sin. This Which was, one is it? It's a contradiction or rightly divide your Bible. It. It's body, soul, spirit. It's standing in state. It's service. It's, it's walking with yeah. Jesus Christ compared to your standing as a sinless, perfect, redeemed son of God. Our sins are imputed to Jesus Amen. Christ compared to the judgment seat of Christ, which is not what's going on. You're giving account for things done in your body, which can be bad. Second Corinthians 5. And I think that's an important distinction. When we talk about rightly dividing the word of truth, we're not just talking about Jew, Gentile, and church yes, of God. Exactly. You have to so rightly much divide to between spirit, soul, and body. Yes. And those, that example in 1 John 1 versus 1 John chapter 3, the only way you're going to logically, biblically, uh, you know, consistently reconcile that is understanding that one is dealing with your body and the other is dealing with your soul. And that's why the new virgins can't understand this, and they change it to habitually sin or continually yes, sin. Yes. Because they don't understand they how do. a part of a saved man will never sin again. Now, praise be to God, I am sinlessly perfect in my soul. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not in my flesh. There's a war that goes on uh, between the new man and the old man, and I have to choose. I'll either walk in the flesh or I'll walk in the spirit. Um, and the judgment seat of Christ is to determine that thing. When you either walked in the spirit, walked in the flesh, you'll receive a reward or you'll suffer loss. 
And those doctrines, so many of these people, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. I'm going through Second Timothy class, and we're in Second Timothy three sixteen Wednesday. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable. Number one reason the Bible given according to God doctrine. Yeah. But doctrine isn't just pre-trib, mid-trib, right. Daniel's right. 70th week, the Mark, and the Stoffer's book, and that's not only doctrine. Sure. So much doctrine is practical, day to day, judgment seat of Christ, eternal. Right. What you talked about, the standing in state is so important because if you don't understand it, you're gonna get false doctrine. Amen. You're gonna not understand so many verses, you're gonna get discouraged, you're gonna fall for traps about, okay, it's gonna look like you can lose salvation. No, you can lose fellowship, you can Amen. lose rewards. Amen. That's why doctrine is so important. But also your daily fellowship. People get discouraged because oh i just i just give up because I, I i just went back to sin i went back to drinking i went back to fornicating whatever the case may be no that's the old man you right. are saved and you and it, but doctrine is so important it affects it all that stuff it is and in understanding the difference between your standing state understanding the difference between the old man and the new man understanding the fact of how you can confess your sins and regain that fellowship with god is so important but also brother brian understanding that my soul is saved and sealed under the day of redemption, yes. that I, I have eternal security. Comforting. That's it's very thing. comforting. It'll and help you. Yeah. It won't hurt you. Oh, then you just sit and do nothing. No, no it's that's ridiculous. Crazy. What it does is gives me a pure motive to serve God. I serve him because I yeah. love him, Amen. not because I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. I serve him because I love him. A good verse with this. Okay, getting off on this. We'll get in the judgment seat in a second. Blessed, Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's us. Yeah. Blessed is a man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That's us. Right. Psalm 32.5. Same author. Same chapter. Same psalm. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Amen. Same, same chapter. Same man. Obviously standing in state. Right, right. David's fellowship compared to David's soul. And, of course, David, it's kind of a type of us, yeah, with right. the sure mercies Absolutely. of David and all that. Right. That's what I was going to bring up, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And we understand the author, we understand the Old Testament, but uh, there's uh, the connection there to the Christian with David and the sure mercies of David and how that's applicable to the church. So absolutely. It's funny. I had a, a Hyper and I were talking about this uh, this whole argument that we've been talking about, and I, I mentioned the sure mercies of David. He said, but I don't think that's what I'm, we're saying it is. That's some special thing because of what he did with Bathsheba. And it kind of went over my head, and I said, wait a minute, because I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy. I know that Bathsheba thing, or I guess I don't know. It's chapter 10 or 11. Sure, mercy of David is chapter 7. Sure, mercy of David were before mm. Bathsheba. So that won't work. <laughs> but there's a bunch of reasons on sin at the judgment seat of Christ. you want me to go yeah, and get into yeah, them? absolutely. Okay, number one, he mentioned bad. I don't know how what can be bad but not a sin, but let's say you can come up with something. Sure. Here's a good one. I gave this brother this verse, and he's like, well, that's not really... The definition of sin, James 4.17 tells you what sin is right. to him that knoweth to do good. That's what they say. Well, your sin won't be judged, and what will be burned up is your motives, which I don't know how that's not sin. It gets burned up sure. because you did something wrong. Sure. But what they say is when you see what you could have done for Jesus, if you would have done this. Okay, so it's sins of omission. that You know, not sin. Well, it's just things you could have done. They don't right. say sin. Right. To him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not. To him it is sin. Right. So when you see everything you could have done and it gets all burned up, yeah. the Bible, according to the Bible itself, calls that sin. And I, and I think that's, you raise just a tremendous point because when the initial reaction, when you say, well, sin, there's going to be a, sins, our sins are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, there's an initial reaction. Say, no, 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 they can't be. But again, that verse shows you what sin is. And if you didn't do good, 
according to the Bible, then it is sin. So at the very least, you have to you have to deal with that. Yeah. You have to wrestle with that. How do you reconcile that? And so that is the point. I I have a hard time understanding what people mean when they think that there's not going to be any sin there. I think I understand what they mean because they're trying to make the distinction to show that the Christian is not going to be judged to determine heaven or hell. Well, we concur with that. Right. We understand that. But again, that's why we emphasize this is what you've done in your body. And if it's burned up, it's because it wasn't good, whether good or bad. And if you don't do good, it's sin. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's pretty strong reference there and how that your sin will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Get there? Galatians 5, Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to name, I'm going to read some of these and sure. ask you if these are sins or not. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, right? Sin. Okay. Fornication. Sin. Uncleanness. Sin. Lasciviousness. Sin. Idolatry. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. All, all sins. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envyings. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelings and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past. So these are these certain sins yeah. that they which do such things shall not inherit mm. the kingdom of God. Your now this is not salvation. If it's salvation, then you're one of those to say, if you're an adulterer, you're not saying, if you do this, you're not saying, if you do any of these sins that they don't do, right? <laughs> you got the, you yeah. dress just right and you go to church and you don't watch movies or whatever they say you got to do. Then you're saved. If you're not like, just like them, you're not saved. Unless you're one of those preachers, then you can get rid of it with sure. that says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The inheritance, Colossians 3.24, reward of the inheritance. The inheritance is a millennial earthly reign based on works. That's it. Paul directly, and it's also Ephesians 5, it's in Colossians, all throughout Paul's epistles. He's Amen. got tons of verses on this. The same kind of idea that your sins, things you do in your body, right. 1 Corinthians, that's what you're judged on, 2 Corinthians 5, the things done in your body, which include sin, right. include bad, he used the word bad, the sins you do in your flesh will cause you to lose inheritance. That's a millennial reward. Obviously, it's not salvation. So sin affects your rewards. And logically, since Paul is very clear there in Galatians, and, it, and again, as you mentioned, it talks about there um, at the end of verse 21, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And as you mentioned there in regards to Colossians chapter 3, that is connection to your reward. Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, mm. knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Again, so the inheritance is your reward. You do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I think people fail to understand that. So Part of your inheritance is your reward, and, and that's going to be given to you and played out during the millennium. So the question would arise is, when would you receive that? When would you be judged at that? Well, obviously, logically, it's at the judgment seat of Christ. And so those things that you do that are bad would qualify as those lists of all those sins you, were, you, you read over, and that's how you're going to suffer loss because... Possibly you did this and possibly you did that. And God's going to judge those things and therefore you will suffer loss of your inheritance. Again, because this is about the judgment that's done in the body. Right. It's it's all there. That's there's nothing that's that goes against there? it. Yeah, there here's some of the negative results at the judgment seat of Christ. Suffer loss, first Corinthians three fifteen. 315, 315. Galatians, I just read inheritance loss. Second John eight, Paul or John. 
yeah. says to look to those things which we have wrought. That's yeah. past tense of work that we receive a full reward. So you can lose part of your reward. It's not, right. it's not salvation. This is what you do for Jesus. These are works that will be rewarded at the judgment seat. Revelation 3.18, also 16.15, 19, verse 7 and 8. It talks about nakedness and being ashamed right. and the shame of your nakedness appearing. That's what it compares it to, is that we're all at a judgment and those who did works for the wrong motive or didn't do the right, right deeds or did a bunch of sins that affected and they lost a bunch of works that they did do. Some of these preachers you hear about that have these great works and do great things and probably would have had been commended at the judgment seat of Christ for what they did in their body. They might all burn up because they did it for the wrong motive because they're prideful and they wanted all the attention right. or because they got caught in some horrible sin and then whatever works they did, the, the, ha the harm caused to the name of Christ because of it greatly outweighs any, any good they ever did for the kingdom, for the millennial earthly kingdom. And those works will be burned up. So, the, you know, the, the works affect that. And the Sin point, affects that. And the point you raised there, Brother Brian, I just wanted to kind of expound just for a moment, is we, you know, most people who may disagree with our position and the fact that sin will be at the judgment seat of Christ, I think most of them would agree if I'm out preaching or teaching or doing the things of God and I'm doing it for the wrong reason, I'm doing it for the praise of men, I'm doing it to build up a big name, I'm doing it because of pride, I think every single one of them would agree that that is sin, right? I mean, I'm doing it all for an unpure motive. I'm not doing it. So that's sin. Well, if that's why you're going to be judged and you're not going to get a reward because you've already received your reward, yeah. I would say then he's judging you because the sin of your, your the motive, right? Right. So again, I, I don't see how you can separate the two. Yeah, because that's what they say, that right. they don't take our position. Well, what does it mean burned up? What does it mean suffer loss? Well, when you see, like like he just said, when you see what you could have done or you lose that reward because you did it for the wrong motive, well, that's still sin. Right. What, what the wrong motive <laughs> is sin. And therefore, yes, you're, it's going to burn up. And yes, it could have been what you could have had. But because of sin, you're going to suffer loss. Because if it wasn't sin, you would have received your reward. Yes, you, <laughs> you know, obviously so, have a hand in it. It's, right. it's based on what you do. It's, it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ does it through you. But it's how much you yield to him, how much you crucify. In Galatians 5, the passage that talks about these works of the flesh, Paul said, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Amen. You have something to do with it. Right. He does the work, but you have to just submit and surrender and crucify yourself and allow him to do it. You don't have to read your Bibles. You don't have to witness for Jesus. You don't have to be a blessing to the church and give and give your time and all that kind of thing. It's something you make the decision to do and you'll be rewarded for it or you're going to suffer loss and all that. And I think, you know, even with that, sometimes we can, we dealt with this on other podcasts about being dogmatic about terminology. Then we look at the Bible and the Bible corrects our dogmatic terminology. And, you know, a lot of folks want to talk about, well, you can't win anyone to Christ. It's only, uh, it's only the Lord, it's only God that can win someone to Christ. Well, Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul was taking credit in the in this fact of the aspect is he played a part, he played a role in people being saved. And that's why the Bible says we are co-laborers with God. There is a part, a responsibility that God put on man. He's committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, if you don't go out and preach and tell people how to be reconciled, then you personally won't be part of seeing souls saved. It means doesn't mean souls won't be saved. God will choose a different instrument. But if you go out and do your part, then God gives you credit. God shows that you've done your part. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit takes over. And, of course, God is the one who regenerates. But that's why Apostle Paul says, I have begotten you. And man does play a part of people getting saved. Man does play a part of us 
serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore, this is what's being judged. And this is why you'll get a reward or you'll suffer loss based on what you do in your body. What else you got there? Amen. Just kind of just got a few more here. Sure. Along the lines of that, Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which he hath which hath great recompense of reward. Mm. And then with 1 John 2.28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. Hebrews yeah. said, cast not away your confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So just looking at some of the negative results about right. being ashamed, he, he connects it with nakedness. I don't know if it's literal nakedness, but he can, he's using it as an illustration. Just like if you were naked out in the middle of, in the middle of your church for some reason, you would be so embarrassed. If I did that, I probably would never go to that church again. It would just be so embarrassing and humbling and just all that kind of thing. A normal person, unless he's possessed with the devil, which is a sign of somebody who's naked, they've got a yeah. devil inside of them, right. like Mark 5, maniac, and all that kind of thing. But that... That's how God compares it. And people that jump in the seat of Christ will be ashamed as a naked person is ashamed. Maybe literal. Who knows? Sure. And, yeah, for what they could have done for Jesus Christ, how, when those sins, I don't know, and I don't know, probably don't have time to get into it as far as if you confess your sins and if those show up at the judgment sure. seat, I hope not. I will, yeah. Boy, I sure pray they don't. Yeah, I tend to believe, and again, I, I couldn't give you a <laughs> big dogmatic discord and a bunch of Bible support it. I tend to believe they won't be because I think that's part of why we should live a life of confessing our sins and a clean slate before God. I believe, you know, you... you, uh, you Put them under the blood. You confess them to Christ. The blood of Christ is, and you know, they are removed. Um, they are forgotten of. But I know this: it restores fellowship. Obviously, that's clear. Um, in the big scheme of things, do, are those brought up the judgment seat of Christ or not? I would tend to lean to fact. No. Do I have a bunch of Bible to support that? No, I don't. But uh, I think looking at the principles of everything else and what we see about why we confess it, well, then it's confessed. It's gone. You got restored fellowship. If it's gone, then probably a good chance they're not at the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. Um, now, again, maybe it's just that you won't have an opportunity to gain reward or suffer a loss for them. Maybe they're just gone. I think, brother, obviously we know we say this often, not every detail and not everything is as crystal clear as we like them to be. But I do believe that we should confess our sins. I do believe that we're going to be judged whether what we do in the body, whether it be good or bad. And, uh, yeah, these are all great verses on, on showing the negative effect of the Christian and their sin and the judgment. What else you got on there? Amen. Revelation 19.8, I believe, says, fine, talking about the bride of Christ, fine linen is the righteousness yeah. of saints. Yeah. So Dr. Ruckman compares it to when you get saved, you're like somebody starts sewing a garment. Yeah. When you start doing works for Jesus, you're sewing a garment. Amen. And he says, if that thing's true, there's going to be some Christians up there standing there with a, nothing but a G-string <laughs> on and all that kind of thing. And you start wearing clothes. Being and being ashamed, yeah, right? Naked. Being ashamed, naked, and... Talks about your rewards being crown being taken. Revelation three eleven, Colossians two eight says, "Let no man beguile yep. you of your reward." Yeah. So these rewards are over and over and over connected with sin, right. whether it's sin of omission or just outright fornication, adultery, those yeah. kind of sins, or it's um just sins of being lazy, sins of things you could have done, all that kind of thing. It's called wrong. Colossians three twenty five. Sure, receive wrong that they did. Yeah. It's called bad. Second yeah. Corinthians five. There's so many words that how are how are these things not sins? Right. So and I I think so. We see the obviously the negative effect on sins and what the Bible talks about, like you just mentioned, wrong and bad and suffering, loss and the judgment, 
And again, so it's not just this rewards banquet and God's just going to pass out rewards and thank you for being there. And here's a participation trophy. I'm glad you, you know, got saved. 21st century, Jesus. No, this is a judgment. And there's fire there, and things are going to be burned up. Things are going to be tried. Not us. We're not indicating that. Some people say that. Yeah, not us at all. Uh, It says that right in the verse there. But (laughs) um, uh, our works will be tried. They'll be tried by fire, and things will make it through the fire, or things will be burned up. There's six elements there. Uh, silver, gold, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Obviously, we know that wood, hay, and stubble is all going to burn up. And obviously, those are earthly things. They're all dead things. But those precious stones and that silver and gold is going to make it through the fire. And you will either will suffer loss or you'll receive a reward. I think in just regards, and, and again, you can add on to whatever you want. I think, you know, just passages like Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was trying to obtain something. Mm. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, <laughs> shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So there's a condition there to receive that crown of righteousness. And, you know, so Paul was on a on a task, he was on a journey, and he knew that there was some rewards that he could earn, that he could get, and uh, praise the Lord. That's true to you too, Christian. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to reward you, but it's conditional based off of what you do in this life, based off what you do with your time, your resources, being a good steward, living a life that brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you can live in sin, you can waste time, you can live a wicked life, and at the judgment seat of Christ, guess what? They're going to burn up. What else do you have on, on this subject here? Well, I, just, I just have a closing verse. Yeah. That, that's pretty much everything I got yeah. on that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.11. Great, great verse. Well, verse 10 actually gives you some interesting context. We probably don't have time to get into. He says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. He didn't stop there. Right. With eternal glory. Mm. I think that may be different, and we're, we're not going to get into that. But First sure. Corinthians 15, Paul gets into that glory. Right. And Romans 8 also, he talks about glorification if we suffer for him. So, oh, by the way, he mentioned the inheritance. There's a heavenly inheritance, First Peter 1. Right. That's a free gift. And then there's a difference. So you got to rightly divide inheritance. you got to rightly divide Absolutely. glory. We all get a glorified body. Right. But Paul kind of indicates that our glorification, I don't know how it's all going to work. I hypothesize we might have different superpowers or Mm. be able to visit different planets based on how many works we do for Jesus. I don't know. It's just an idea. But in 1 Corinthians 15, he has glory of the sun and terrestrial, celestial, and beasts and all that. But anyway, it is a faithful saying, if, that's conditional, we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him... Which, which is sin, right? he will deny us. Oh, you lose your salvation. <laughs> you know, what's the context? Denying us a reign in the right. millennium. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So eternal security is there. Amen. Your soul, he can't deny you're part of Jesus Christ. He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But you can you can be denied a reign right. if you, den- if you uh, deny him, if you don't suffer for him, Amen. you won't reign for him. Amen. So that's just a good verse, kind of wrap that up f- from what I have. Yeah, and I and I think hopefully again the listeners and viewers would uh, just uh, kind of ponder the passages and and kind of what we've said here on this podcast. And so just to close out, I just want to kind of recap and make sure that uh, we're clear. 
We believe that one's um, determine heaven or hell, that judgment was paid for on the cross of Calvary. Amen. The judgment on sins to determine one eternal state, the Lord Jesus Christ born his body. And the only way one's going to get uh, born again saved is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the judgment on sins on Calvary. And if you'll receive him, then you'll have eternal life. Now, in regards to the Christian, we still have a judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. But what is so important, as we pointed out several times on this podcast, is you're going to be judged what you've done in your body. All right? So that is talking about your walk. Can that you is talking sin about in your, your body? Study. Can you sin in your you body? You can sin in your body. Yeah, right? absolutely. Okay, well. Yeah, you can anyway. sin in your body. Sorry. No, you're good. And then uh, so that's what's going to be judged there. It's not your soul. Your eternal state's not going to be judged. It's the things done in your body. And this is whether good or bad. Yep. And so when we say that your sins, you're going to be judged of your sins, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what you did after salvation, whether you pleased the Lord Jesus Christ or whether you lived a sinful uh, life. And again, Brother Brian read those verses in Galatians, all those sins that are listed there and it's tied to your inheritance. Yep. That inheritance, we're talking about your millennial inheritance, your reward that you'll receive at the judgment seat of Christ. But if you commit these sins, then guess what? You're going to suffer loss. They're going to be burned up. So I, I think that uh, is pretty, pretty, you know, solid in my mind. Clear cut. Um, pretty clear cut. Um, let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, give us some verses. Give us feedback. Tell us why we're right. Tell us why we're wrong. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but nevertheless, brethren, thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And there's no doubt there is a judgment seat of Christ. You will be judged. You can suffer loss or you can receive a reward. There's crowns. There's a promise of rule. There's a promise of a reign. There's silver, gold, precious stones, all those things mm. that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is trying to motivate you to serve him. And again, it's all for his glory, all for his honor. But until next time, we thank you for joining the Word of the King podcast. God bless and have a wonderful day. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.